Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. I am Leo Flowers. Uh, first, I want to say, how are you? How are you doing? I want to thank you for tuning in. You didn't have to, but you did. I don't know what you're doing right now. Maybe you're doing the dishes or the laundry. Uh, I'm just projecting everything that I see my girlfriend doing. Uh Maybe you're going for a walk, huh? Or are you t- are you tucking yourself in? Oh, are you taking Leo Flowers to bed with you? How cool is that? Or maybe you're driving to work, wherever you are. I appreciate you tuning in and listening and sharing the episodes. The last episode with Coco Chanel, I was surprised by the response. People, I say with Coco Chanel, like she was on there. But where I talked about Coco Chanel, I can't believe how many conversations I've had with people about Coco Chanel because they're such uh, a fan of hers and uh, and they learn some things about her. So if you have not checked out that episode, please do so and and like and, and um, also check me out on Instagram, LeoFlowers2000. You can message me there. Um, we also have a Facebook page, but I'm super, I'm really active. I'm more active on Instagram and then also check check us out on YouTube. Go to Leo Flowers, type that in. And then we have book reviews. We upload uh, the video podcast, all those things. So uh, let's take a big exhale, huh? Uh, yeah, we have to do one more for sure. Oh, yeah, now that we're all settled in there, I just heard the word unsettling the other day, and I was like, oh, I like that word, unsettling. There's something like uh, uh, like dangerous about that word. It's unsettling. Ooh. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I'm just I'm in a goofy mood. It's 5 o'clock. I have two shows tonight. Uh, I'm, I'm super excited. I just came back from the doctor, and the doctor said, my heart doctor said he eats Oreos. And uh, I immediately shared that with Michelle because uh, she's anti-Oreo. That, that's, that's her platform, ladies and gentlemen, the Oreos. That's, that's where she draws the line. Today, we're going to talk about Henry Kissinger. I know you're like, what? We're going to talk about Chris Rock. And then we're going to talk about if-only statements. Yeah, we, we're throwing a lot at you. This is a fun episode. I'm excited. Let's just get into it. Um, I was listening to an episode uh, with the writer from Fight Club. He wrote Fight Club, and he was talking about how violent his parents were. Like uh, uh, They would fight all the time. And so him and his siblings would go in the basement as they, uh, they yelled at each other and, and duked it out or whatever. I say duked it out, but, but that's, that's the way he put it. it was they, they, they were very violent towards each other. And... So him and his siblings would have to decide which one of them would have to hurt themselves enough to create such a crisis that the parents would then have to focus on handling that situation and and mending them and tending to them versus going at each other. And they called it Henry Kissinger. Now, if you don't know who Henry Kissinger is, he uh, was a proponent of real politic and uh, he played a dominant role in the United States foreign policy between 1969 and 1977. 
within that period, he extended the policy of detent, detente, detente. Look that up. I have no idea what that means. He was jointly awarded the 1973 Nobel Peace Prize with Le Duc for helping establish a ceasefire in U.S. withdrawal from Vietnam. Now, the fact that he was uh, the one who was involved in establishing the ceasefire between the U.S. and Vietnam, that is highly contested. But the point is, is that this is what he received his Nobel Peace Prize for, right? So basically, when the kids say, who wants to play Henry Kissinger, which this is a very advanced game for children to be playing, just the fact that they knew who Henry Kissinger was and the fact that, you know, he was known as the peacekeeper and uh, uh, got us to ceasefire. And they decided to say, hey, who's going to be the one to bring us peace in the Middle East, in the house. And so they would cut themselves. They, they would uh, bruise themselves. I'm, I'm, I'm sure like even if there were some extreme circumstances where maybe they broke a finger or something, something that would cause such a stir, such a reaction that mama and papa would for a second take an exhale and be like, <gasps> what happened? Oh my God, we got to get you to the hospital. And we have to, so creating a, a distraction to create peace. And I bring that up to say is a lot of times that war between mama and papa is happening in our brains, right? Uh, it's happening between our left hemisphere and our right hemisphere. And they, and they, they go to war and they're saying mean and nasty things or maybe they're, they're fighting and it feels like your head is going to explode and you have a headache and throbbing pain from the, the stress and the anger uh, and, a, and a frustration or, or maybe the, the weight of, of exhaustion and despair. And, and we try to play Henry Kissinger sometimes through drugs and alcohol and uh, resort to some addiction. We try to create pain in some other part of our body, right? Usually it's the stomach because, you know, when, when we overeat, when we do drugs, uh, another part of our body uh, feels the pain and it, and it drowns out the noise in our head. Uh, it drowns out those voices. So for some of us, we, uh, we crank the music up really loudly. But we're trying to create peace. We're trying to drown out that noise in our head. We're essentially trying to play Henry Kissinger. And we have the idea, right? Right? It's like, wow, mama and papa are, are at, at war with each other um, at opposite ends of the spectrum. And we, we know that we have to create uh, a distraction from that so that there can be some peace. But it's seeking pain with the intent of peace. Um, we can only do that for so long. We can only numb ourselves for so long. We can only hurt ourselves through uh, food, 
food or cutting uh, or, you know, punching a wall, these things for so long be- before there, there, there's, there are no pieces of us left to damage, to hurt, to sacrifice for mama and papa. And so we have to find other ways, a more peaceful way of bringing peace. Which leads me to Chris Rock. And you're like, I love how you did that, Leo Flowers. You're bringing us, all right, I see what you did there. Yeah, you didn't know I was going to tie in Chris Rock to Henry Kissinger. That's what I do. That's, That's what you tuned in for. Come on, let's go. Chris Rock talks about you know, he was bullied in school for years from second grade till like through 11th grade because he was bused to school. He was a black kid bused to an all white school. And, you know, this was in uh, uh, the 50s and 60s, I, 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 maybe 60s, more 60s, 50, uh, maybe late 50s, uh, somewhere around the 60s. And, you know, when racism in America, was still very prevalent and there were still places where uh you know white people drank out of this fountain and black people drank out of that fountain so from second grade through 11th grade chris rock was never invited to any of the parties you know the weekends birthday parties holidays things like that never invited so can you imagine all those years of school and you don't really get an opportunity to connect with your classmates outside of school. And then when you're in school, you're bullied. So you don't feel safe at school. You don't feel accepted outside of school. And you, you, you feel alone. And there's anger and there's resentment. And all these things start to build up. And so he's still struggling with that emotional pain. And in some ways, physical pain, because there, there was also um, physical threats uh, um, laid upon him. That, that's not the way I wanted to say it. But um, so now he's in his 50s and Chris Rock is going to seven hours a week of therapy. Now, I understand a lot of us, we don't have seven hours to give over to therapy nor do we have the financial resources to give over seven hours of therapy. My point is is that that's how serious he's taking his mental health. Is that because there's a lot of people who have Chris Rock resources and are not doing any therapy at all. They're just like, "Uh, I'll figure it out. Um, Or I just don't. We, we just don't care enough to address it. And so he's doing a few hours. He has two psychotherapists, so he has two mental health therapists, and then he's going to two different groups. And uh, so that's about, you know, seven, five to seven hours per week. However, because like I said, not everybody has that time and everybody has all those resources, I understand. Uh, we have listeners in Ukraine and Russia and Sri Lanka and throughout throughout the world where maybe in-person therapy is not as popular. Um, or you, you, a lot of my listeners, I notice, live in uh, more 
rural areas. So there, you know, uh, in terms of finding a group that you really feel connected to may be a challenge. I understand. One of the things that Chris Rock mentioned is that swimming has been the most therapeutic for him. He just, he's, he's now in his 50s, and he never learned how to swim. I never learned how to swim. I'm from Chicago. I grew up a, a block from the lake, from Lake Michigan. I, no one I knew growing up in Chicago, at least that I was close to, not my circle, but definitely people I knew knew how to swim. But the people I hung out, my boys, we all had single parent, we all came from single parent homes. We were all the oldest sibling. We knew how to play basketball, football, uh, not hockey, and not swimming. Like we would jump in the pool, but that was the extent. You jumped in and you jumped out. Maybe you got on one of those little floaty things. But doing laps, you weren't, first of all, you weren't swimming in a pool. You definitely weren't doing laps. And you weren't doing a little uh, turnaround at the end. Oh, when I see people do that, I'm so jealous. There's a few things in the world that I'm jealous of, of when I see people do it. One is the, the kick turn at the end of when they get to the end of the lane in a swimming pool. Uh, two is when people sit with their legs, uh, when they sit cross-legged, you know, like, like, a, like a Buddhist, like a monk, because my hips are so tight. Oh, my God. I, I, I get jealous every time. I'm working on it, but I'm jealous. I'm jealous of those. Of those. But when I see kids who can just plop down with their legs crossed, oh, so jealous. Um, and I'm sure there's a third thing that I'm, I'm jealous of. People who can just eat two Oreo cookies. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but Chris Rock said how therapeutic swimming is. And... There's five reasons uh, why, why swimming is so therapeutic for us. One is, is that the rhythm of swimming, you know, left arm, right arm, left arm, right arm, kick, kick. Like there's a rhythm that you get into that becomes meditative. Meditative. It's like driving. You know, you drive. It's when you, like driving. I'm talking about on, a, <laughs> on an open road. I'm not talking about driving in in traffic or in Pakistan. If you've never been to Pakistan, it's definitely not meditative. I mean, you have to be next level Buddha. You were up in the mountains for 10 years, just you and a little fire for you to be able to sit through Karachi, Pakistan traffic and be meditative. Uh, so the, the rhythm of swimming. So sometimes, you know, I'm always talking about meditation, but sometimes movement is the meditation, right? It's not always about sitting there and going, um. Uh, the second reason why swimming uh, is extremely therapeutic is that uh, when we immerse ourselves in water, it boosts blood flow to our brain. That's right, because when we're stressed, when we're anxious, when we're depressed, the blood isn't really circulating. It's it's kind of like sludgy. It's uh, it's it's uh, it's, it's slow 
it, it it's like uh, it's like when there's an oil spill. That's a oh, it's, you know, and it's just it's not the blood is not circulating, which is why it's hard so hard to get out of bed or take a shower, right? Um, but when we emerge, that's why taking a bath is so relaxing. Why, why, you know, you just kind of feel your thoughts in your day melt away. So you, you don't have to go, always go swimming. You, if you could just hop in a bath, pour in that Epsom salt, right? Because the Epsom salt uh, prevents that ring around the tub. Oh, yeah, that's a little life hack for you. Write that down, ladies and gents. Because, uh, you know, the research shows that children who learn to swim boost their oral expansion, literacy, numeracy, and visual, what what did I write down? Oh, their visual motor skills. So if you have kids, get them involved early on in that, in that breaststroke, in that butterfly. Third reason why swimming is so soothing and therapeutic, right? Uh, it releases endorphins, right? When we release those endorphins, oh, that anxiety, that depression melts away. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I just I worked out for the first time yesterday uh, in a while because uh, just dealing with this chest pain. I'm talking about like a like a good work. I'm talking about like a good like pushing a sled, using the battle ropes, grabbing the kettlebells. Oh, those endorphins! Oh, I could I could just I felt vascular. I could feel the blood rushing. I felt great. Uh, I still woke up in at one o'clock in the morning, which was a bit upsetting, but. We're just going to breathe. We're going to get through it. Yeah, when you know, because the, the, releasing those endorphins, it helps improve our memory, our focus, and our concentration. So while also a lot of times, uh, you know, we, we see people working out first thing in the morning. When I worked at uh, Equinox in a gym, I noticed that the earlier people came into the gym, the more money they made. Hands down. You go to any gym, look in a look in a parking lot. Look at look at the parking lot at look at the cars in the parking lot at six a.m., seven a.m., eight a.m., nine a.m. I'm telling you, at six a.m. you're gonna see cars that are like the fifty thousand dollar cars and above, and at, by the time you get to ten, eleven, you're gonna see like an eighty six <laughs> Toyota Corolla. Um, and, and, and no, 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 uh, what, what is that word called? No shade to anyone who drives an 86 Toyota Corolla, but there's, I'm telling you people who at, at least is at the gym from what I witnessed people at the gym early, uh, and, and they know it's going to help them improve their focus, concentration and memory. Uh, number four, the fourth reason why swimming is so therapeutic is that it improves social interaction. You know, swimmers, it's, it's like a tight tribe. It's a small group of people. And so it's like, if you swim, I swim, all right, we're swimmers. And, and especially if you go at the same time to the pool, uh, open water, open, <laughs> open water swimmers, especially they, they're very connected people. Um, it's, cause it's not, there's not a lot of people who open water swim, especially in the ocean. You know, a lot of people are afraid to be out there, although most people drown uh, like within 
three feet of of the shore. It's it's not, you know, it's not shark attacks, and I've talked about that in a previous episode. Um, it's not the shark attacks that that get you, um, you know, being close to shore. So, anyway, the fifth reason why swimming is so therapeutic is the color blue. Come on, when you see that sky blue, oh, your shoulders drop. Your jaw relaxes. That little furrow between your eyebrows. uh, uh, It it dissipates. Color blue. Color blue is so relaxing. Like colors like light blue, violet, pink, light green. All those colors are very soothing, very relaxing. Now, if you see a, a... a, uh, like a, a violet pool or a pink pool, don't get in that pool. <laughs> I don't know what happened, especially if you see a green pool. D- definitely don't get in a green pool. Uh, I'm trying to make Michelle laugh over here. I, I haven't, I've gotten a slight crease in the cheek, but I'm getting nothing, nothing over there. Um, but, the, you know, on the flip side, the colors like purple, red, yellow, not not too soothing. Although people have said I look great in red. So, uh, you know, you got to take it. It's all contextual. It's all contextual. So the, the, the meat of this episode, what I really want to talk about is, uh, you know, we talked in previous episodes about cognitive distortions, meaning there's a, there's a way of thinking. And Molly Bloom talked about this in, in our episode where she said, I don't have a drinking problem. I have a thinking problem. And if you have not checked out that Molly Bloom episode, then check it out to hear more of what Molly, if you like the movie Molly's Game, or if you read the book Molly's Game, you definitely have to check that episode out. Um, As all the episodes, come on. But anyway, so I I was watching, what what movie was I watching the other day? Uh, It's going to drive me bananas. Apparently, I didn't go swimming this morning, or else I would have it memorized. But I was, oh, we were. I was watching a, a series on Netflix called The Twelve, right? And it's good. The ending, very disappointing. I'm not going to say anything about the ending, but I was. It was kind of like I want, want. But it, the ten episodes for nine episodes, super engaging. Uh, great storyline, great characters. Anyway, there there was a couple, and I'm not giving anything away. There's a couple who uh, the the husband was uh, he was controlling and manipulative, and I found myself saying, "Gosh!" And they were married with three kids. You know, if only he could like just not harm her. You know, he, there's a scene where he put his hands on her. If only he um, could figure out how to cherish her and appreciate her and trust her and trust. I, it was a bunch of if onlys I found myself saying. And, you know, I was just, I was so angry and upset and sad. And I, I really was rooting for them because they had three children. So it was so it was more of like you know you you're watching this relationship not just watching two people uh arguing and going back and forth 
Uh, but you're thinking about the kids. And I was, th- I was like, oh, if only they could. And then the, the kids wouldn't have to witness this. And then I'm thinking the kids are watching this and they're going to grow up and they're going to play it out. Either they're going to be the mom or they're going to be the dad. And, you know, so I'm, I'm already like future forecasting. And I, I was like, oh, that, I, that if only thing is something I want to talk to my therapist about. Because if I'm doing, if I'm doing, if I'm having the if only thinking while I'm watching the TV show, then I must also be using it in my life, right? And a lot of you are like, all right, what's this if only thinking, right? It's like um, a lot of us have used it where we'll say something like, if only my spouse appreciated me more, I'd be more attentive and giving at home. If only the world was safer, I could enjoy my time off work. If only I made more money, my family would be happier and more cohesive. If only my kids' activities weren't so time-consuming, I'd have time for friends, families, and hobbies. If only I wasn't so tired when I come home from work, I would exercise and eat right. If only the job saw how much I give up in my personal life, I'd be less cynical. If only I could go on vacation, I would be more motivated to work, right? And the problem with these if only statements is that it it signifies that we feel a sense of hopelessness over our immediate environment while feeling helpless to implement solutions that will bring about happiness. These if-only statements let us know that there's an an emotional fatigue that has set in and that we need guidance in developing solutions to our problems, right? And these if-only statements, they hurt us because, one, it makes us believe in some magic bullet, if I just had this one thing, then everything else would be amazing, right? Or And when we have this if only thinking, it deflects responsibility. Instead of us taking ownership for our life, we're, we're putting it on the external world, on other people, on the job, on our friends, on our relationships, on, you know, the, 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 the country, on the president. We are deflecting responsibility when we use these if only statements and we also are blaming others for our lives. And, you know, Chris Rock, not Chris Rock, Will Smith talked about how, yes, uh, we may not be at fault for what's happening in our life, in the world, uh, but we are responsible for how we respond to what's happening. Right. Um, And when we, use these if only statements, it puts us in a victim mode. Like we are the victim and we're only the victim. And we start to identify as the victim and we start to move around like a victim. Right. Um, and that if only statement creates an external locus of control instead of an internal. So by external locus of control, we're talking about, we're just throwing everything in the hands of luck and fate. Now, 
that if only, because I don't want to demonize if only statements. There's a place for it. You know, uh, for it's something that's useful uh, for children, for young people, uh, or if we're in extreme hostage situations, uh, it, it helps us to kind of soothe ourselves, to kind of imagine a magic bullet, to kind of imagine uh, being rescued by uh, some superhero or the government or SEAL Team 6 or, you know, winning the lottery. It, it is soothing to think about those things. So it's not that we should completely eradicate if only thinking, right? The issue is if we stay there and if that's our only mode of thinking about things where the if only thinking is um, the, the complete way of thinking versus uh, a step to a larger part of thinking, right? So you say, how do we address this if only thinking, Leo Flowers? Uh, all, all knowing and all, oh, did I just say all knowing? Oh my God. I'm here because of my ego, ladies and gentlemen. Um, one of the antidotes to if only thinking is to take a self inventory. Take a self inventory of how you feel, right? Uh, the, the four, you know, and when you talk to different people about the four major uh, emotions, it changes. But I like this one uh, to tap into are you sad, mad, happy, or scared, right? To tap into those. Am I sad? Am I mad? Am I scared? Am I happy? And sometimes we can be feeling all four of those things. And, I, and I've talked about that in, in other episodes. Sometimes we can be sad that someone has lost their life and mad that someone took a life and scared that our lives might uh, be taken and happy for the for the people in our lives. So we don't, you know, we don't have to feel all four things. And actually, it'd be a good practice to try to tap in to see um, where am I feeling sad? Where am I feeling mad? Uh, where am I feeling scared and you know unsettled? Uh, and where do I feel happy or at peace? So first, take an inventory and do that a couple times a day. Tap into your emotions. You know, when we, uh, depression and anxiety, it's usually, uh, when it, when it's spy has spiraled out of control, it's because we didn't catch it early enough. You know, we, we, if only all day, never tuned in to ourselves, never sat down with ourselves, never drank some water. Yeah. Yeah. I paused on, are you, are you dehydrated? Please get a, get a glass of water. Not ice water. Get, get some room temperature. <laughs> uh, so first is take a self-inventory of, of what you're feeling, what your emotions are. Sad, mad, scared, or happy. Uh, second thing is, is uh, set small goals. A lot of our stress, our anxiety, our depression, uh, we, we've kind of let things become overwhelming. And uh, we, we, we ignored um, our finances, our professional careers, our our personal relationships, our e emotional uh, sphere, and our, our spiritual health. So to set tiny goals, you know, I had been out to gym for a little bit, and Michelle was like, "Why don't you just go for five minutes?" Because I, I don't like I'm, Leo Flowers doesn't do five minutes. I go to the gym. I'm doing an hour. I set my timer. 
and I'm getting it in and I, it, it doesn't matter. And I try to, <laughs> and I, you know, my, I try to do exactly what I was doing the last time I was at the gym. If I could, if I took a year off from the gym, I would go right back in the gym and in my head think that I could just pick up where I left off, which is outrageous and preposterous. It's outlandish is what I'm trying to tell you. So we have to set small goals. And I tell you what, Michelle said, Leo, why don't you just try five minutes? And, you know, and I went and I did 30 and I was like, you know what? 30 is good. 30 is because there is no way Leo fires. And she knew that, you know, a, a good woman knows how to get her foot in the door, you know? And so that, that five minutes got me there for 30 minutes and I felt great. So now she has a little smile on her face. Now she put the phone down. Now she's looking over here. Yeah. You know, the, 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 the people's favorite sound is their name. So uh, third way of, uh, of, you know, third antidote for the if only thinking is seek out support, you know, seek out support from like-minded people. Like I said, Chris Rock is in two groups uh, and, and he's in individual therapy. Uh, and some, you know, I understand we don't all have those kind of resources. So pick up books. Now, you know, one of the things that makes me feel so connected and less alone in the world, uh, is reading about other people. I love bios for that. Like people who have died, don't like people who are still alive. That's great, but they're not done. This story isn't over yet. And there are so many, and I've been not burned, but there have been a few authors who are still alive. They've put out a bio of their life up to this point. And then you find out that um, the, the, the whole thing was a ruse. It, it's, it wasn't done. And so you're kind of basing your life off of what they've written. And then you, you find out that, uh, that, they, you know, that, that they really weren't even aligned with those values. It was just something that uh, you know, the book promoters were, were pushing. So I like, to re- I like to read the books of people who are no longer with us. But I also love to read, you know, watch um, interviews with people and, and, and listen to old speeches. So there's so many ways for us to connect and feel supported by like-minded people, whether through podcasts, uh, books, uh, Zoom groups, Facebook groups. There, we have to be proactive, right? Remember, it's about us taking responsibility. Uh, the fourth antidote to if only thinking is to remember that motivation is fueled by action. We can't, we can't IG ourselves to be motivated. Uh, we can't YouTube ourselves. To mo- we can't speech or, or talk. Or, like we have to take action. So baby steps. If you want to work out, if you if you if you if you scheduled yourself to work out and you're like, I don't want to work out, then go do the dishes. Go do something else. Send off an email. Uh, do do something else, and you know, kind of distract yourself. Henry Kissinger, the whole thing, and then because you've done one thing, you've taken one piece of action. Now you're ready to take any and all action. Remember. Um, Objects in motion tend to stay in motion. So it doesn't matter what direction you get that motion going. Just get it in motion. It might even mean just 
taking a shower. Oh, yeah. Sometimes when I feel stuck, I take a shower. It could be 2 p.m. Maybe I took a shower an hour ago. I took another shower. Yeah, just to get that blood circulating to my brain. And then last but not least, see a therapist. You know, you got BetterHelp. You got um, 1-800-SUICIDE or 1-800-273-TALK. Seek out a therapist. And like I said, you don't have to see them every week. You could say, hey, I want to meet with you every three months. Baby step it. Or every six months. Or once a year. You know? So don't don't get in your head about, I can't afford paying that every month. It doesn't have to be every month. Once a month. Once a quarter. And, and trust me, and you'll think, well, that's not enough. Uh, the, the value of talking to someone and feeling like you have someone you can talk to, that's what you're paying for, is knowing that you have someone in your corner when you need someone in your corner. That's, that's part of the investment of just knowing you have someone who will listen, who will sit with you, who, where there's a safe space Right? I mean, baseball is about getting home. That's what makes it exciting. You're trying to get home. When you get home, you're safe. And we have to create that for ourselves sometimes. Sometimes, you know, if you're privileged, it's, it's there for you. You know, you, you, somehow you, your parents uh, create this nurturing and loving and very caring environment. And you felt listened to and understood. Go with that. God bless you. But uh, for those of us who, um, you know, dad, one of the parents was kicking back a few too many drinks, um, or, you know, there was a feeling of neglect, we might have to see a therapist. We might have to talk to someone. No shame in the game. I really want to thank you for tuning in. I, I, uh, find myself journaling a lot more, processing the emotions, doing my best to stay off of the news and media, um, recognizing that uh, so much of what is happening in our country is uh, making Leo Flowers a little sad. And so I go to the journal, I'm going on longer walks, I have to drink more water. And I'm also watching Scooby-Doo. <laughs> oh, if you, uh, listen, Netflix has the new Scooby-Doo, and I love every minute of it. And I'm getting my other friends to watch Scooby-Doo also. So uh, I'm going to leave you with that. Scooby, Scooby-Doo, where are you? Uh, remember, this podcast is not a substitute for you going to get help, for you calling the 1-800-SUICIDE or 1-800-273-TALK. Uh, if you're looking for one-on-one coaching, I work with uh, women who are just killing it, crushing it at work. Um, they're thriving, but they are struggling to find meaning 
in what they do. It's it's not fulfilling. They feel alone, uh, uh, and maybe even like an imposter. Go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching. And let's get to tomorrow together.